All right, we are recording. What? What? Hello, everybody. It's a podcast. Welcome to the Dear Maddie Show. Uh, this is this has been a long show and a wonderful show in the making because I have Joel Caparella on the show. First of all, hello, Joel. How are you, Matt? I am all the better for being asked. How are you? Oh, I love that. This is why I love Joel Caparella, <laughs> y'all. This is gonna be like this is gonna. I, I feel like you're just gonna be holding like a smart. Like a, like a teddy bear, like a Teddy Ruxpin that talks to you but makes you feel like at home and safe. That's what Joel Caparella is to me, you guys. I'm great, Joel, to answer your question. Um, it, I said it's a long time in the making because you had me on your show. I did. Uh, a while ago, and we've been – I got super busy, and I, I love that you were able to be like, hey – when am I going to be on your show? Because I told you I wanted to be on the show, and I was like, "Yes, I got to do." So I appreciate, I appreciate the email, and it fi- it's it's happening today. It is indeed, and I'm I'm glad to be here. You know, I had a good time when you were on, and um, I hope you don't mind the persistence. But listen, the Dear Maddie show is like one of my top ten, right? I ha- I wanted to be oh. on it. I had to be a part of it. You, sugar. <laughs> Handsome and sweet. Um, and yeah, and then just so everybody knows, I'll put the link in the show. I'll actually put the episode I was, but it's at joelcaparella.com. Um, but don't look while you're driving. Just do it later. Um, okay, Joel. So the reason the reason why you have me on your show is because you and I are both just pretty, pretty passionate about stories. Like it's just kind of something that's always... Uh, that that's really just changed, I think, our lives. So, uh, like, when did you first start to get interested in stories? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I was just thinking about it this morning because I'm uh, I'm getting ready to kind of uh, tweak my my website a little bit because I've been so invested in stories for such a long time, but it doesn't necessarily permeate as much about about how I present myself digitally, if you will. So, uh-huh. I was thinking, you know, reflecting on it, you know. It's something I've always assumed that everybody kind of appreciated story. And I do think, you know, I had, um, I always mention this, I had this woman, Christine Comerford, on my show uh, probably end of last year, and she's a behavioral psychologist. And she talks about story in leadership. And I, I, I read her book, uh, her book's called Smart Tribes, and she talks about the phys- physiological reality of, of how we're actually wired as human beings to remember things by story. So, you know, that kind of motivated me to recall my kind of professional trajectory and even going back into when I was a kid thinking, listen, I've always I've always had the ability to see things in kind of a story lens. But mm-hmm. lo and behold, now as a, as a professional, as an adult, I realized that we lo- somewhere along the line we lose that, you know, like we lose that that childish, you know, curiosity about why a story makes us remember. So anyway, long story short, I think I've been doing it my entire life, but probably in the last couple of years, I figured I could make a, make a dime off, to be honest with you. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, it's also, it's something I think, I think we do, maybe we lose it. I also think sometimes we can be um, either shamed or conditioned to, to, to not have it almost. It's almost like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we talk about in this country, we want, we want education and we, but then sometimes, but critical thinking or thinking out outside the box can be scary to people and therefore um, that curiosity can get squashed, I think. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what it is. I think, you know, maybe, you know, time permitting someday, maybe I'll dive into it a little bit more because I, I honestly don't know why it is. Because what happens, Matt, with me is when I, you know, doing what I do and I'm basically a marketing strategy consulting type of guy and, and I help the clients that I work with tap into what their bigger story is, but not in the, like, a, oh, by the way, here's our story, to make it the very essence and the foundation of of what they do. In other words, they build everything on top of this dramatic thing that they're doing. And what I find is, you know, starting out with them, they're, they're a little skeptical, they don't necessarily understand, but once I start to offer to them what their story actually is, you should see that the light bulb go off. I mean, people people light up like, yeah, that's exactly what we do. That's what we're all about. And, mm-hmm. you know, it ends up being a pretty good uh, working relationship because people want to feel passionate about what they do, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why I had you on, you know, because uh, and why I'm interested in this conversation because, you know, I do have a lot, a lot of my audience are a lot of people that are stay at home, a lot of people that are working, that are parents and, and, you know, not all of them, but some of them are doing the side hustle. And I think that's something that we all can relate to. But why I had you on is that for you out there listening, if you're thinking, oh, Joel's a marketing guy, consultant, he is. But I think that what you're doing is a little bit more, um, honestly, kind of revolutionary in that you're looking at business through like the emotional 
and personal lens as well and how that kind of the new wave i think a lot of business people are thinking that it's just not this business isn't this just intellectual thing it's not just cost demand all these kind of things it's also about how you how you want what you want your legacy of your business how you treat people what is what is your yeah. mission statement right don't you absolutely. agree absolutely no absolutely look i look we do what we do we all have to make a living, right? I mean, it's just a fact of life, right? You have to yeah. make a living some way, shape, or form. And we always have a choice about how we go about it and what we do. And I don't care if you're, you know, working at the McDonald's, if you're uh, you're working on the back of a trash truck, or you're the CEO of a, you know, you're Elon Musk, you know, revolutionizing the world with your technology. Regardless of where you are on that spectrum, what you do has an impact, right? And we could connect and find the value and the purpose of what we're all about. Like I, Matt, I sincerely, truly believe that 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 there's purpose and passion in just about anything that we do. And two things end up happening. Either one, I find that okay, maybe I'm discontented with where I'm at today. So okay, let me go find what it is that that I could sink my my purpose and passion into. Or we are right where we should be, but we don't realize the the impact and the effect that it has on us, on our family, on our friends, on those that we work with, on the people we serve, and on and on and on. Like that, and you know, it's funny you say is it is a kind of new revolutionary. I actually think this is more Joel Caparello kind of pontificating here. I think Ooh, the media. I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, get ready, buckle up, Matt. It's, it's going to be a good one. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's the media. I think the me the 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 excess and the simplicity with which we could create and consume media today. Obviously, everybody realizes that, but it opens the door to be able to communicate in a such in a much more dramatic and effective way. And also, by the way, that's how we break through with authenticity, right? And and consistency. If we're consistently authentic and we we actually sincerely believe whatever it is we're communicating, and oh by the way, it has value to who those we're communicating it to, well, it makes all the difference. Oh, oh my gosh, for sure. And so already, people, we should also mention, if you're loving this, the the Jill's podcast is, it's Leading Matters. Yeah, it's Leading Matters with Jill Caparella. So, uh, again, I'm going to put that in the show notes, but this is like just kind of looking through the people that you have. Like, again, I just, because I'm going to be honest, Jill, I've met a lot of like entrepreneurial podcasts and a lot of entrepreneurial Neural people, and a lot of them have the best intentions. But from me, from someone that's, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, but somebody who's not like I'm not, you know, trying to, hmm. I'm not doing business consulting, I'm not doing real estate, I'm not doing what a lot of people in podcasting. I'm not doing like work from home type of automated business stuff that a lot of people do. I get bored with a lot of that kind of stuff because I feel like even though they are passionate, it's really it can be kind of clinical. And I feel like um, I just think that you. You are so great at honestly. I can't think of another word of making it in, uh, just make it interesting. Like I was listening to um, uh, this is before what was it before I was on your show? I was listening to, or maybe it was afterwards. This is the woman? Let me look on your website. I think it was. Um, yeah. Oh, I really like that. But from and I, I'm gonna put this in the show notes too. The Jamie Cross episode. Oh yeah. For a lot yeah. of my listeners, just because I know a lot of listeners that have moms, and she's just with such a great example of like, you know, here's this person who like comes up with an idea of what they want to do for their business, and then uh, they have kids, and in spite of like, you know using those excuses of well, I have three children or two children or four children, however many she had, but. I can't have a business that was not an excuse for her at all. So yeah. I just, again, I love that you're always talking about the emotional and kind of components people have to go through. And I, cause I think a lot of my listeners, I know a lot of them, I can think of two or three right now that are doing the whole side hustle thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's something that, uh, they, it, it truly is. I, I'm going to say this cause we say it all the time, but it's like, like you just did it, talked about it, find what you love and that what you really want to do and then, fig then figure out how to make money from it. Because so mm. many people are just think, what am I going to do to make money? Well, I'm going to, you know, do an Airbnb. But I fucking hate Airbnb. <laughs> I hate doing that shit. You know, well, then don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you just got me on a soapbox. <laughs> no, listen, that's, that's that's when you're at your best, man. I've come to know that is when you're absolutely at your best. So you you, you preach it, brother. All right? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But listen, I agree with you. You know, it's funny. One of the things I did when I, I started the show... 
geez, I want to say two years ago. And my brother was my first guest because I had no idea what I was going to do. So I called my brother yeah. Jay up. I'm like, hey, can you just do me a favor? Let me, let me figure out if this thing works. And what I found is even after that interview, my brother sells franchises for a living, right? And I mm-hmm. found it. One of the things I like about what I do is I find different business models and different passions so interesting. So after that episode, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Man, this is this is I'm going to do this. This is pretty cool." And so let's keep doing this podcast thing. So one of the things I set out to do, Matt, was I, I really wanted to have a diverse group of leader types on the show with people with different, like honest to goodness, different perspectives. And I got to tell you, that has been the most edifying thing in the world for me personally, right? Because you hear, you know, because a lot. Listen, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm on a lot of them as well, and there's there's some good ones out there, but there's probably more bad ones than good ones. So I always thought to myself, as if I'm going to do this, I want it to be a sincere, genuine conversation, not necessarily challenging. There's some people podcasters out there that kind of are a little um, in your faceish, right? And I didn't want it to be that. I wanted it to be mm-hmm. a platform for people to genuinely share. A sincere, you know, perspective that they own, that they've come to know. So I've had CEOs on the show. I've had people from all political walks of life. I've had, uh, I've had uh, a woman who's who's making uh, pornography a, uh, um, a a health issue, right? Kind of looking at it as a public health uh-huh. issue. So oh, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's really I, what I what it does for me is like wow. The, Especially in our age right now, right in this political mess that we're in today, and and how diverse you know thought is, and how separate we are from each other. You know, we we think we can't be friends with people that have like a, a an ideological difference than us, right? In that climate, I find it so edifying to see there's so much more nuance and detail and drama that affect why people think the way they do, why they're so entrenched in their thoughts, how mm-hmm. they can actually find and apply value from their perspective that I might not have even considered, you know? So anyway, I'm kind of going on. Now, look, now look, see what you've done? Now you've got me on the soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. That's the point of the podcast. And also, by the way, I need to mention this too, y'all, because I know I always say it, Joe Caparella is hot. Joe Caparella is a hot silver man. I just want to say that, Joel. Matt, I, I would argue with you if I could. No, you're very, very handsome Italian guy. Um, uh, I was. What else? Okay, so, so when, so like, for you, like, what was do you think was in starting this? You said you've always been in, passionate, interested in stories, but then you decided to like turn it, make a dime on it. Can you just? I think a lot of people that are, or I know actually, because I've been there, are, and I'm still there with other things, are, they have the idea, or they know something they're passionate about, or something they would love to do, but they have no idea of how to make money from that and turn that into a business. What advice would you have for people that are just trying to just, just flesh that out? Yeah, that's, this, this, I'm going to share the advice I wish somebody had given me, right? And I think it is this, that you've got to go like 100. You can't go halfway, right? Like, I listen, I appreciate the people that are doing the side hustle because I wish I had kind of gone that direction. But there comes a point where it's, you're either going to be all in on it or you're not, right? And mm. if you never get to that point where you're going to be all in on it, then it's going to be forever be a side hustle. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like that's fine. I think that's that you know you can do both. I, you and I actually come to know each other because we were both on um, oh shoot, join up dots, uh, David Ralph's show, right? Yes, yes. And, which I got to email him. I need to have him on the show. Yeah, I love David. He's such a he's such he's a great. Uh, such he's a witty so guy. I know. I like him. Um, and we've actually kept in touch, you know, over the time ever since that appearance. And and he ta- that day I was on his show. He was challenging me, saying, "Oh, everybody." wants to be an entrepreneur everybody wants to do their own thing and we kind of actually got into a little bit of debate about it because like I, I don't David I don't agree with that I don't think everybody wants to be an entrepreneur right I don't think no. everybody wants to do their own thing and it's fine if you don't but if you do you have to go a thousand percent in on it and that means like painting the worst case scenario right like what is the absolute worst case scenario that could happen here well I could go completely broke I could lose my house I could you know lose my car I could be on food stamps whatever not that those things will happen but are you prepared for the worst of the worst and if you mm. are then all of a sudden those fears are just kind of put on the shelf you don't have to necessarily worry about them because okay that's the worst can I accept that if I can accept that it and this is my experience now it kind of frees you unleashes your ability to sink your teeth mm. into what you're doing so, you know, our, you know, obviously there's the tactics and the necessity and the business model and on and on. But for me, it's like standing up on that high dive. You know, listen, remember when you were kids and inevitably you were at the pool and I don't even think they have high dives anymore at public pools. But remember there was always that kid 
on the high dive that would everybody in the pool is watching him and he, he gets up there and he crawls out to the edge and now all of a sudden the entire pool stops and they're looking at this like six-year-old kid up on the high dive and he's scared to death because he wants to jump right that's what you it know, is he's, he's eight years old and his name is matt Marr, and he feels <laughs> fat on that because the youth Boy, you just brought me back to that place in but, my life, Joe. Jesus. But wait, did you jump or did you climb back down? Tell the truth. I I I remember climbing back down once, but then that I only did it once, and then I jumped. Oh, there you go. And you probably loved it, right? Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> well, because what you're talking, what you be- so beautiful, beautiful. I can't even speak eloquently and beautifully described is that. I, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I just don't know what to do with business, you know, is it is it your own fear that's just using that as uh, an intellectual excuse so or, or an emotional excuse, whatever, an excuse to just keep you from doing it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's – I think I think it's, for me, I could tell you, look, I face the fear every day, right? In other words, every day. Like, look, I had – I just did my taxes, right? Tax time just went on. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, there's no hiding from how well you are or not doing when you look at your taxes for the previous year. And I knew yeah. going in the you're going to be – I'm in the lean years right now. I'm not going to kid you, right? And you have a choice, you know. Yeah. You could either – you know, climb back down the ladder to use you know, stick them with that metaphor, or you know, let's let's climb back up and, and see if we can't take a. Now, look, the bad news is maybe the pool's empty, and then we're all screwed, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jill, I totally forgot because I love your accent. Where are you from again? Uh, Philadelphia. Oh, Phil, do you live there now? Oh, I, I live outside of it. I live in the suburbs with my wife and my eight children. Yes, that's what I forgot. I mean, you just are even hotter. How old were you when you started having kids? Because you look young, Joel Caparella. Sorry, oh, I'm getting you. on KDD, a sidetrack. <laughs> no, that's okay. Look, you can keep the compliments coming my way, Matt. I'm happily accept them. Uh, <laughs> so I was, my, my oldest is 22. My wife and I, we met in 2005, but we each had a player that we brought to the game with us, right? So she had a daughter oh. and I had a son. Um, and then we have what I call six collaborative efforts since 2005. So my, my oldest is 22. My youngest are two-year-old twins. Wow, that is, I mean, less than 10 years that, boy, y'all are, as we say back home, that's some horny hillbillies <laughs> making some babies. Darn yeah. hillbillies, horny fillies. I love it. Um, I've never been to Philadelphia, actually. I need to go. I probably would love that city. I love history and all that kind of stuff, so I probably would love it. Yeah, I think you would. It's a, it's a great town. I, I've been, I'm kind of born. The funny thing about this region is people don't usually leave. It's not very transient like some of the other uh, big cities of the, of the country. So if 80% of the people that live here are from here. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so this isn't random because nothing is random or happenstance. And I know I told you that I didn't have any questions from you. But literally, as I'm talking to you, my phone pinged. And I went, oh, somebody emailed me a Dear Maddie question. And then I just kind of read the first line. And I went, wait a minute. So I read it as you were talking. And it is totally a question about marketing. Um, so I know I didn't give this to you, but no, can good. I go ahead and read it? Yeah, I'm like, fuck it. So yeah. this is from, um, we're on the spot. This is from Jackie, age 27. And she says, um, Dear Maddie, I'm an actor like you, and I've been told that I need to be better about my social media. I think you're so great at it, and you think of yourself as a business because you've said this on the show. I know I need to do that, but it just makes me feel like I'm, quote, selling myself. How do I get good at this but not feel like I'm a social media whore that's bothering (laughs) everyone? Okay, and I I wanted to read this question because I feel like it's such a – what a great example of, you know, acting is a business, but it's that perfect example for anybody out. I'm telling I don't know who the fuck Jackie is, but I needed to, like, send her money because this <laughs> question, I'm like, this is, we literally were just talking about that. That's just weird. I feel like Jesus is guiding the show, everybody. This is all in Jesus' hands now. Here we go. Um, sorry, Joel. That just, that wired me up. I love it when, I'm literally vibrating when that happens. Um <laughs> But so, but I think acting is such a good example of people that say, oh, I'm so passionate about this. I'm really good at it. I'm really talented, but I don't know how to make a business of it. And acting, you have to figure that out. So, so you talk about, so like, let's talk a little bit about social media and marketing. Because I think some people, I feel like people either don't put any importance on it. And then some people are obsessed with it. And I'm kind of like, is it, is there a middle ground here on this? Listen, it's it's a great question. Uh, here's here's how it, I couch it this way, right? If somebody told me, you know, 20 years ago, right, that I was going to have unlimited ability to create my own 
uh, media presence in some way, shape, or form. And it was going to include uh -huh. um, my own newspaper. It was going to include my own forum. It was going to include my own um, TV channel, my own radio show. And I was just going to be somebody's going to hand that to me. Nobody was going to be able to put it in my pocket, right? If somebody told me that in the mid '90s, I'd be like, I'd been all over that. It's like, oh my gosh, give me some of that because I was tons mm -hmm. I could do with that, right? That's the way. Just as a, as a mechanism of communication, it is revolutionary. What's happening right now? I mean, it's it's. I always say, you know, people try to compare it to radio, right? But I think it's bigger than radio. It's like the printing press, right? You know, think about the printing press in yeah. the fifteen hundred whatever. You know, before the printing press, you you had to be very wealthy to afford the written word. Then all of a sudden, the printing press comes along, and it literally, literally changes history in many categories, right? If you know anything about uh, the Reformation of the Catholic Church, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Protestants were able to print their version of the Bible on mass and get it to the people, right? So it had a, yeah. that's that's how big the impact is, right? So I get what Jackie's saying is you don't want to feel like a, a, a social media whore, right? To use her words, yeah. right? Because cause it could feel uncomfortable, right? But that said is you got to get over that. If you're serious about your business, and look, I'll, I'll coach it this way, right? Couch it this way. Actors, I think, have a greater responsibility, and all artists do, right? Because that artistic ability that we have as an actor, uh, a more traditional painter or something like that, or a musician, like that, I always look at it as a gift, right? That we possess, but we don't own. In other words, it's ours, but we have to, we have to hand it over, right? Or else what point is the gift? Mm. So if you're truly an actor, you have to look at it. You have two ways to look at it. Am I whoring myself out to get the next gig? Maybe, okay? But rather, let's flip that on its side and say, I have this gift and I feel responsible to get it into as many hands as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think also too, you're, don't be, you know, don't assume yourself out of a possibility because it, what you said is so true in that. Do you know, I mean, I've recorded like over, I think I'm, I need to figure it out. Who knows? This could be my hundredth show. I know I'm getting near that point. Um, but let's be honest. When you've done like a hundred shows, I know there's always still more things to talk about. But I've had shows where we're talking about the same subjects, yeah. and I've and it's it, but it surprises me. Hey, it's always a different spin on a subject, but it always surprises me how. Um, and I've learned this with being gay and like coming out stories that I remember kind of on a personal level. I'm like, I don't need to hear anybody's coming out story. Like I did that, um, you know, twenty years ago. I'm good. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at a place in my life, but. I'm discounting the fact that somebody else needed to hear that at that time, and that's when they heard. And I've been in those situations yes. too, where I've I've listened to a story. It's the same fucking story I've heard twenty fucking times, <laughs> but but for some reason I hear it and I feel it. And so yeah. I, for Jackie, for you, I love that you call it a gift because, and I don't mean don't think of it like in a condescending way, but you're literally denying someone an opportunity to engage and feel validated because you think they don't want to listen when you don't have any freaking clue. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And, and listen, I, I love the way you put that. Look, I'll use your appearance on my show. You talked about on my show being, you know, growing up in Oklahoma, being an effeminate male and, and, and the pain that that caused you. But you also talked about the love of your family. And I got to tell you, Matt, I can recall that story as simply as I just did because it, it made a huge impact on me, right? It was like, wow. The, mm -hmm. I remember, you know, even telling me that night, I felt better for having known you because you shared that story. And I'm sure Ooh. that there's others. Uh, looks like we it says okay. Looks like we got disconnected there for a second. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure. Like yeah, I'm sure that there are others that had heard the same thing. So if you had chosen not to share that, if you had decided not to, maybe you had done three podcasts that week. You didn't want to do another one. Maybe uh, podcasts just weren't your thing. Maybe you felt like Jackie, you were whoring yourself out for for uh, you know awareness. If you had chosen any of those options instead of the one where you showed up, and you told that story. Well, it would have been a mistake. Yeah, it would have been a, 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 a huge mistake because it's that's the deal about I think what it you know, as I'm, we're talking about this, I feel like it's not almost the fear of people failing. It's the fear of putting yourself out there and then having the 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 responsibility of people responding to you. I think that freaks people out sometimes. It is. It is. It, it, you know, I. I know when we, we were on my show, we were talking about Grant Cardone. And I remember I was like, I threw his oh, name yeah, out there. And, yeah. Yeah, and, 
But now he's not for everybody because he's kind of this brash sales guy, you know, for those of you that don't know him. But he talks about this all the time is, is like he treats fear as a, an annoyance, like a gnat that's kind of in your way. He's got to swipe it away and keep going forward, right? So, you know, back to Jackie's question is, listen, you, you got to be out. If you're serious about acting and you're serious about getting the next gig, get over the fear of putting yourself out there. Get over the discomfort of maybe you're going to feel like a whore by getting yourself out and your name out there and do it. And if you're not, if you're not prepared to do those things, then I would argue maybe you're not serious about being an actor. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, okay, so I'll follow up. This is my follow-up question because it's something, you know, I always try to work on. How do you do that, for, and not just for an actor, but for anybody who's marketing themselves, using social media, they're, you know, whether they're writing their own content or they're having VA, virtual assistants or whoever doing it, how do you do that in an organic way? Because I feel like that's the success that I see of people in social media, especially, is that they're able to do it as they, as they feel like they're letting me in on their story instead yeah. of trying to sell me. Mm. Yeah, that's funny. I don't I, want to give away all your consulting. <laughs> so if you really help with this, fucking go to Joe's website and you'll because you can because you could like people can sign up and do like a free uh, what do you call it? It's like a free. Uh, not a consultation, but like a... Um, content alignment review, I call it, where I'll take a look at your content and I'll tell you if, whether or not you have a story, uh, where you're doing great on your story, where you can improve it. So, And by the way, if anybody wants to do that, again, it's joelcaprella.com. Hit me up and I'll be happy to help you out with that thing. Um, yeah. But listen, I, it, first of all, I think at the end of the... At the, I hate that, that colloquialism, end of the day, but I'll use it anyway. At the end of the day, <laughs> um, it's about the effort and the work, right? And... You know, if I'm not prepared, I'll give you a great example. Today, on my podcast, one of the things I do, Matt, and I haven't done yours yet, actually, but I will, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I usually do a, a one minute of my of my audio for my podcast, and I call it Can't Miss Minute, right? And recently, I discovered this product by Adobe called Adobe Spark, and it's this little tool that lets you, you, can, you have it on your phone, but also on the desktop, and lets you create these very simple videos, and they're almost like slides. So I drop the video in, and then I pick icons that match the words. And I, I create a, a minute of my of my podcast. So I was just doing that today, and whenever I create one of these things, I always tweet it. And today I tweeted it at Adobe because I say, "Hey, thank you for your tool." Right? And I, like, and I wasn't looking for anything else. I was just, "Hey, just did this. Thank, I'm sincerely thankful that they created this tool. It's free. Uh, anybody could use it." And I was like, "You know what? You guys are great. Thanks for this tool." Well, we got into a conversation with whoever's were manning their social feed today, and lo and behold, actually right about now, probably 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time today, they're actually going to share my little video, right? So again, I... Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was like, so you see what I'm saying? It's not like I wasn't selling my services. I wasn't trying to push it or promote it. I was since being sincerely grateful for the fact that Adobe has this free tool that I'm able to use, and it lets me do something cool with it. So I think gratitude probably is, you know, curiosity mm. and gratitude, right? Curiosity, let's be cur genuinely curious about what people have going on and let's be grateful for whatever they bring to the conversation or the table Joe Caparella this is why you are so amazing and sexy and beautiful and smart and I love you because those are I think the two words that like guide my life curiosity and gratitude um, maybe joy but I feel like I can't have joy I actually don't think I can have joy if I'm not able to be curious and uh, and grateful for I mean I even just said that the other day to uh, one of my friends who's going through like a rough job transition and I said you know the other day I had this experience of like I, I had an old business partner and he was a nice guy but it just did not work out well as a business uh, adventure for both of us to do mm -hmm. cut to I have two new business partners now and we're developing stuff and they're we're the ones I told you that we're pitching stuff right now to networks and stuff and it's and I'm not just saying this because things are going well for us, because they're going, you know, they could go, they're going okay. They're, we're not lighting up the town of Hollywood, but yeah. we're not dead in the water. However, though, I'm so grateful for that experience with that first business partner that was kind of the shitty experience yes. from what I learned, what I was able to stand up for, and what and what I want and what I imagined a, 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 a healthier dialogue with my business partners to be. And I'm so grateful that I have that now with these two guys and we work so yeah. well together. Yeah. And so like, there's that, I was telling my friend who was in this shitty job, I said, I know it's hard for you to do, but being bitter about this isn't going to help you in any way, yeah. um, except for just to be more bitter and kind of go into a depression or a hole. I said, yeah. if you can try to find 
a way of how am I grateful about this happening to me right now? You yeah. Know? Amen to that. Amen. You know, that's, I, I could not have said it better myself, man. Look, this is why I'm, I said the day we got off on, on uh, the recording of my episode, why I was so grateful. Because, listen, as much as that's true and as much as people want to believe that, uh, what I find in my, my travels is that people are almost fearful of believing that. In other words, there's a fear in being grateful, and I don't know why it exists, right? But you, you're a natural at it. Look, I... I'm, I love telling people. I, I use a couple people in my uh, when I pitch people to be on my show. You know, sometimes people come to me and ask to be on. But when I pitch people to be on my show, there's a couple episodes I always use, and yours is one of them because there's oh, thank it, you. well, it drips with sincerity. You're you're fighting the good fight. You know what I mean? You know, you don't come off as there's some people in entrepreneurial world and whatever line of work they're in that are just like. They all got it going on. They have this armor. They're never going to expose their true selves for whatever reason. I don't know what that is, but they don't let you in, right? You're just the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think there's uh, something to be said about that. The fact that you're grateful for the partnership that went south and that you're able to pull out value from that and apply it to where you're headed today. I mean, man, if everybody did those things, I think the world would be just a tiny little bit better, don't you? Oh, my gosh. I think it would be a million times better. I think it would be – because really – at the, you know, I almost said at the end of the day again. Uh, but <laughs> what what happens to you in life is going to happen to you. There's so much of that you do have control over, and but even more of, of what you don't have control over. So to me, it's more about the thing I can control is my perception, my idea, and my view of how I. And I'm not saying not looking at it, you know, not looking at a situation unrealistically and living in your own kind of dream world. But there is a way that you can look at even the most traumatic things uh, as as an opportunity. You know, my, my aunt passed away uh, of breast cancer several years ago, and I saw her. I was there with her her last week of life. My mother and I were, and it was the first time I ever saw somebody die. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was it was a horrible experience for, for a lot of the people around, for younger children. Yeah. But for me, I really kind of, I made, I, I, well, I didn't have to make myself, but I just, I saw the beauty all week of all these, of all these people that came to see her and her family of just expressing love for her yeah. um, in a passing. And then after she passed away, I thought it was beautiful how, just not myself, but my mother and other people I talked to, how her passing inspired us or invigorated us to do to take action and to do, do different things in our life and I think I'm still living the legacy of my aunt two years later uh, from her passing yeah. and to me that, that that I can look at that as beauty now absolutely look I, I am uh, my, my my parents are, are older my dad's 81 my and he's healthy but quite healthy my mom's probably 77 or so but I also know that just by sheer fact of life that, you know, they're getting up there, right? And at some point, no, Although, by the way. Italians live forever, though. Italians <laughs> live forever, Joe. You're like, you've got good genes, I'm sure. I'm sure. But they are, you know, at some point, you know, time is going to win out, right? And yeah, it's funny, yeah. at this point in my life is I have a different, I remember when I turned 40, I'm a little bit older than you, I think. But when I turned 40, I remember. No, I'm, 30, I'm 38. I'm right behind you. Oh, there you go. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 50 now, right? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, when I turned 40, I was thinking, man, I all of a sudden death was like a reality. Like I had never thought about death in my life ever. Like I never thought about it, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know what, why 40 is the magic number for me, but I started to th- realize my own mortality. And it was like the first couple of years, I was like, holy shit, like I'm halfway in. Like I don't want to, you know, like this is going to happen. You know, death is an inevitable thing. It's the first time I realized my own mortality, for, for lack of better words. But you know, now, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward a couple of years beyond that with my age, you know, my parents, even though they're healthy, they're getting older, my aunts and uncles, all the same thing. And there's going to be more death in my family in the next 20 years than, than not. But I have a different perspective on it now, right? And much like you just painted that picture with your aunt, is that, man, I am forever thankful for every experience that I've had with the living members of my family. And I'm going to I'm gonna be sad when they, they depart, right? But I'm not going to, you know, I'm sure I'll have to go through a mourning, but I'm never going to regret the, the, the death part of their life, if that makes sense, right? Because if there is no death, then there was no life to begin with. I know that sounds kind of glib, but I, I just feel kind of like free to look at it that way these days. No, I think, like I, I love it. I think I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's it's totally beautiful. Um, I just like well, I just I love talking to you. This could go on all day. Um, so 
I do have a question though. So too, like you're with your parents. So your dad's obviously Italian. Is your mother Italian too? They're both Italian. My mom is uh, half Italian, half Slovak. My dad's 100% Italian. Oh my God, you grew up with good food, didn't you? <laughs> you darn right I did. So, okay, can you still make, sorry, I, maybe because it's around lunchtime here and I'm getting hungry soon. So <laughs> we're going to get to Chatty Maddie, but I want to talk a little bit about like, can you cook? Are you, do you have the legacy? Uh, I cook a little bit, but I'll be honest, my wife is the, uh, she's a, she's a tremendous cook. When, before we met, I would cook for me and my, my son when I was a single dad and I could do okay. I could make your, your traditional uh, Italian gravies and whatnot and all the meats that go in the Italian world. But once I got married again, she loves the kitchen and she's phenomenal at it. So I've kind of surrendered that, unfortunately. Hmm. What? It, so since we're kind of talking about this and I, I wasn't prepared to do this, but it just popped in my head. What has been like, um, just for what has been probably, uh, the, 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 one of the best lessons for you as far as like on the personal side of like being remarried again, having, uh, you know, integrating families, like what has, and obviously you've been married for a long time now, but still like with like a second marriage, what, mm -hmm. um, what, what, what was like one of the, I don't know. What do you feel like is, uh, what do you think is something that you're doing better now as a husband yeah. that maybe was harder for you to do before? And I know we weren't planning on talking nah, about it. This no, is look, too I'm personal. You can say no. Look, I'm happy to talk about it, right? Because I think it's – two. I have a, a lot of opinions on it and thoughts. First of all, I think our culture on the whole treats divorce way too glibly, right? It's, it's a very dramatic experience for anybody to go through. And I think if we all yes. took it a little bit more seriously, if we took the marriage bond and and the, and the impact that marriage has on children a little bit more seriously, I think, you know, I think maybe there, you know, maybe we would see divorce as something that we should avoid rather than easily enter into. So that's my first thought on it, right? Um, but uh -huh. you know, my, for me personally, you know, I look, I married the wrong woman, you know, be honest. And and the difference mm -hmm. isn't so much me as as it is the the partnership that I'm in with my wife today, right? Because we wow. share the same values. We we have have the same um, values are a big thing, but also there's a level of respect that you know. It's funny. Before I got on the phone today, I was thinking about um, when my daughter. I have a daughter who's a, a junior in college, and when she was in high school a couple years back, I was trying to do my best to kind of give her my worldview on on sexuality and, and female male relationships and how she ought to consider them. And I tried to talk to teach her the way I saw love, right? And I said, listen, I asked her to define what love is, and she gave all the, you know, the Hollywood answers and the, the, all the romantic novelties of love. But I said, look, I mean, love is ultimately willing the good of the other for no other reason than the good of the other. So it has nothing, ultimately, if you really sincerely want to love, it has nothing to do with you. So that's right. And look, I'm not sure if she got it, right? But that's what I try to impart upon her. So what I'm doing better is that even though I'm not perfect at it, I see the relationship with my wife and I as if I'm going to sincerely love this woman, then I'm going to surrender myself completely to her and empty myself out to her with no expectations of anything in return. Now, look, I, I don't, I'm not great at it, okay? Because God damn it, I have a lot of expectations, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, we both we both do believe that to be true. So we're oh, it's a constant work in progress. Where we, that is how we're going to approach this thing. We're going to approach this thing where you are the one uh, uh, that I love, and I'm going to truly live to that ideal of surrendering myself to you completely, no matter what where that goes or where it leads. And I think if you're in a marriage or a relationship, and the partners feel that way, I think only good things happen mm, I agree with, maybe I said this on another podcast or to a friend but I so echo that I um the other day like I had a real I've been with my boyfriend for over two years now but and we live together but there I had a moment uh, again of gratitude but also of like oh I really am wholefully soulfully authentically whatever mm. you want to use I'm very much in love with this person and that I was making eggs for us in the morning and th something that I love that I don't give away a lot is food because mama <laughs> mama loves her food but I was making eggs for him and I just without even thinking like I knew he was he hadn't eaten breakfast that morning and I had or he had he had didn't have a shake that morning that he normally does and I knew he would get hungry and I just without even on a just thinking about it I gave him more eggs and I know that sounds silly yeah. but like then afterwards I went 
I used to not be that way. I used to, I would have been very like, this is half, this is half, or I would have maybe given myself a little more. It was just something I did so instinctually and just within a second. Yep. And the afterthought of it, I went, wow, that was such a, uh, a, a kind of a ripple effect of how I feel about him. Anyway, I think it's a big deal, right? I think if you can't exercise and show your love in big things, if you're not doing them in the everyday little things, right? So, and look, I got to tell you, Ooh, I know. <laughs> that's a truth talk right there. If you can't exercise and show your love in the little things, then you're not going to be exercising show it in the big things as well. And by, ooh, Joe Caparello, I'm going to tweet <laughs> that shit when this airs. Uh, please do. <laughs> I'm glad you asked me about it, though, right? Because I think, uh, you know, so much is, so we're, we're far too, you know, mired in the in the sexuality discussion alone or in the, in whatever you think about, you know, how free your expression of love should be, where it's all narcissistic bullshit. And it's not. That's not love. Love is not narcissism. Yeah, it, Amen. 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 And, well, and on that, Joe Caparella, are you ready for some Chatty Maddie? Are you kidding me? I've been waiting since we got on. Let's really? go. Wait, let's go. All right. So, same five questions, each five guests. So, Chatty Maddie, number one, what's your favorite childhood smell? My favorite childhood smell. I love the question, right? Because everybody's always about memories or, or, or your songs or sounds, right? But, man, when you ask that question like there's like a flood of memories that come back like specific mm-hmm. smells and, and ironically I was talking to my, my wife about this the other day is that it all has to do with my father I don't know why that is but like the, it doesn't even mm-hmm. though my mom was a phenomenal cook and I can remember the smells wafting from the kitchen around holiday time and whatnot. My one of my favorite. My dad was a, um, a lineman for the Philadelphia Electric Company so these are guys that go out on the poles uh, when storms come and they fix the wires right and he, you know, so he's mm-hmm. a hardworking blue collar guy. And when he came home at night, he had this old 1950s refrigerator downstairs, and it had um, he he had turned it into like a, a kegerator type of thing. So he always got Pabst Blue Ribbon was like his beer. So when I was probably about seven, the youngest always got to go fill up his. He had this pint pitcher in the freezer, so I could always. It was my job to go bring that golden you know pitcher of pint to uh, to my dad at night when he got home from a long day of work. So, um, you know, fast forward now to about 10 years ago, Pat's Blue Ribbon had kind of disappeared, but then it was purchased by, I don't know who, but they started to promote it more. Now you can find it pretty much everywhere. So he's like, oh, check this out. Look what I, I just got. He got these long neck bottles of, of PBR, which I hadn't seen in years. So I opened this bottle up and I, you know, go to take a drink of it. And I just like the smell of it wafted up into my nose. Like, God damn, if it didn't bring me back to walking out of the basement Aww. to go fill up that pitcher of beer for my dad, you know? So that is probably. Oh, that's favorite. one of my favorite answers to that question, Joe Caparella. <laughs> I love that, and now I want a beer. I love that. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, what's your dad? What was? What is your dad's name? My dad's name is John. Oh, John. Okay, yeah. great, great, John Caparella. Okay, Chatty Matty number two. What would be the name of your memoir? Ah, uh, the name of my memoir. Um, well, I. How about this? I think it's either one, one or the other. You tell me which one you like better. My first one that came to mind would be better than he thought, right? Because I always think less of myself, and people are like, no, you're way better than that, right? So mm-hmm. that might be one. The second one might be uh, the unapologetic extroverted introvert, because even though I'm, I come off as like a charismatic, you know, talky guy, I'm like, man, it's hard work for me to be in a room full of people I don't know, quite frankly. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. How did you, uh, either one of those are good. How did you overcome that? I don't. Or how I mean, do you work through the day? Yeah. It's I. You know, listening. I think is the best thing. I find that people like to talk about themselves. So I, if you, be- <laughs> <laughs> they do. We do. I admit. Yeah. So I be, if you become a good listener, I think it it eases that up, right? And also, I think yeah. if you, I also, do you remember, um, do you remember uh, Brady Bunch? Yeah, for real. Do you yeah. remember the episode where I think it was Jan had to give a speech and she had to imagine everybody in their underwear the one day, right? Oh sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I bring it up because it's like I somebody told me that the fear that you have entering that room is shared by probably 99.9% of the people in that room. Like everybody feels that way. It's just that some are better than working through it than others. So I, I ask a lot of questions when I'm in a room full of people I don't know. Uh, don't worry about if they're stupid questions or not. And then figure that probably more than half, if not 90% of the people are probably just as nervous about being in a room full of strangers as I am. Amen to that. It's the number one fear. Number one fear. Um, all right, chatting man number three. What's the best piece of advice you wished you had taken earlier in life? Um, you know, you you had mentioned earlier about you know being grateful for the the mishaps and whatnot, and 
you know, I, I, I go deck with that. I think it's, I'm always trying to find the gratitude and the things that have gone wrong. But uh, I was a musician in uh, high school. I played the piano, I played the trumpet, and I was okay at it. I, was, I wasn't actually pretty good at it. But I ended up giving it up because it just wasn't like the cool thing to do in high school, and I always regretted that. But I thought of my music teacher in high school. His name was David Worth. He, he died actually about 15 years ago, unfortunately. But he, um, he used to give me a hard time. I had this nice uh, trumpet that my mom and dad had purchased for me. And I cared for it like it was like a, it was like a piece of art. You know, I really loved this trumpet. And I would never bring it to school. I would use the, I would use the school's uh, you know, shitty ones that they had on hand, right? And mostly because I was lazy. I didn't want to bring it to school. I didn't want to lug it there. You know, you'd get made fun of if you had an instrument walking into high school. Um, but he said to me, he's like, listen, if you're going to be serious about your music, you just got to start bringing that nice trumpet to school, right? And I didn't do it. I ended up not playing anymore after that. It's always, even though I, I have a lot of, I just did a, I do this little uh, video series I call the Car Cast, and I did one on this idea of the value I gained from learning music as, at a younger age, even though I gave mm-hmm. it up. But I kind of wished I had gotten serious about my music and I had taken my trumpet to school at uh, David Worth's advice, but I didn't do it. I share that regret about piano, so that's a great, yeah, I, yeah, I, oh, high school, I'm, it, you're lucky to just to make it through. Um, yeah, right? Yeah, I regret, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, chatting matting number four, what day would be your Groundhog Day? So what day was so awesome that you're like, I could do that again and again? One of my first inclination, Matt, and hopefully my wife will never listen to this, is to relive Game 5 of the 2008 World Series where the Phillies won and I was actually in the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that was incredible. That was the best. Look, I have eight kids, right? Game 5 of the 2008 World Series was better than the birth of every single one of them. Well, for your birds, you're stressed out, you know? Well, not only that, it's, like, your... you ever been to, it's not the most pleasant thing in the world, right? Like, I don't care no, who, you know. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, no, no. Everybody always says, they say, I feel like I should say the day of the birth of my child. They actually, I think there's people's guilt. Because yeah. there's so much of your children should be the best to say that. of your life. Or they, or they but qualify. No one... They say, except yeah. for the birth of my child, this was the, yeah, forget that. That was an awesome day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no one actually... No one has actually used that as the day their children. Now, some people have said their wedding day, yeah. but no one has actually said, and the, yeah, so you're, well, actually, you're in good company. Let, let me, so if I, but okay, so that was a great day, right? But if I had to, and I'm, I love baseball. I think baseball encapsulates the drama of, of everything we live through, actually. That's just kind of my two cents on baseball. But the day I actually met my wife, it was a beautiful May summer day. Well, late May day. It was the weekend before Memorial Day. And I actually had gone to a baseball game that night with a bunch of friends, it was great. It was awesome. Just the weather was perfect. And we ended up going into Center City of Philadelphia for a drink afterwards. And I ran into my wife that night. We had known each other from a distance, but that's the first night we met. So it was that was a great day, too, because I got to enjoy my baseball and meet the woman of my dreams in this very same day. That was a very good save, Joe Caparello. That was a good <laughs> save. You're safe. Um, <laughs> all right. Last but least, chatting about number five. When are you most inspired? When am I most inspired? Um, I, whenever I have a new client or, or talk to someone new about what they've got going on and start to get into the nuance of, of their business and I start to see like, that's when I know I'm doing the right thing because I see like an unlimited canvas of opportunity for them and all the things they could be doing and, and I just get charged up by it. It's like, man, I, I feel like confirmation that yes, this is what you should be doing and you could be helping people to, to achieve that and so that's that's in my moments of inspiration is where I actually feel like I'm living my purpose with a level of passion that, that, I, that I yearn to live it with. Uh, I bet you're a great father. I bet you're so fucking present. I, I just I love it, Joe when they're not When they're not annoying the hell out of me, probably, but... <laughs> I did say that once to a person who was a mother on my show, and I was like, I bet you're a great mom. She's like, she's like, yeah, but sometimes when my child turns away, I do flip him off. It's that idea of love, right? Those little sons of bitches and sons, you know, they, all they want is one, they just want from you. They give nothing back. <laughs> and on that note, that's the show, everybody. <laughs> No, but seriously, if you like what you heard today about Joel, because like I said, I get it. Like, honestly, when people say they're a marketing person, sometimes my eyes glaze over because I feel like boring. You can see how wonderfully just Joel is and how entertaining you are. And 
I, you're just you are still talented at what you do. So um, I hope people reach out to you for that, and they can do that at Joel Caparella. Uh, that's C A P P E R E L L A, just the way it sounds. Caparella, uh, JoelCaparella.com, and that is going to be. Uh, we'll have a link for that in the show notes, so you can click on that. Any any other places people can find you? Uh, they can always find me on the social medias, you know, on YouTube, Instagram. I saw Joel Caparella on literally all of them, Twitter. So just hit me up. I'd be happy. Let me know you heard the show. I'd be happy to chat you up. And uh, Joel, it also, JoelCap.com. It's a little easier to spell the whole Italian last name. You'll get to the same place. Oh, yeah. And do watch the videos because he's handsome, y'all. He's handsome and entertaining. It'll just be good for you. Well, Joel, thank you. I'm, again, I really do have to uh, – I wrote down on my – as I write little notes for, to, to talk about uh, and to put in show notes, I wrote, like, fucking email David because uh, he put us together and uh, he's such a – join up dots is such a great thing he does, so I need to I need to make that happen yeah, too. Amen. But, amen. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I can't say how much I appreciate you. And um, and for the rest of you, you know the drill. Do something for someone this week. Be of service. And I'll see you next week. All right. Bye. I told y'all, Sugars, isn't he like a sweet? He is like a sweet, smart Teddy Ruxpin. Just the, I always felt like my Teddy Ruxpin was judging me. But I don't. But Joe Caparella judges no one. I love that man. So sorry, I just made it about me and my childhood judgment. Boy, we went dark for the outro. Really, really dark. Sorry about that, everybody. No, but I do. You know, it's been. Um, I'll be honest. In re-editing this show and listening to it, it was just the shooting that happened in D.C. with Congressman that was horrible. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of beauty come from people, but to still see a lot of divisiveness. Um, of people and still people being political about this, it just, it turns my stomach, honestly. Uh, whether you're calling somebody, you know, a crazy snowflake or you're calling someone um, a crazy all, uh, white supremacist, uh, which I've done. Well, white supremacists are pretty crazy. And well, and some, so this guy was crazy too. So it's just sad. It's just sad. And um, anyway, sorry to mean to go off on a wormhole on that, but I will say listening to the show kind of brought me up from that. Um, and just, and so the point is, is that if you're feeling kind of just gross about, uh, your people or what you're seeing on Facebook or social media, A, step back from it and B, connect with someone that you know you love and not necessarily agree with, but just connect with someone you know you love. And that's what I love about Joel is I know that when he and I get together, we are definitely going to feel, um, we're definitely going to feel connection. We're definitely going to feel like somebody else gives a shit about us and that somebody else wants to do something really positive and try to help people in their lives. And that's something we both love to do. So that's that's my advice to you, everybody. Boy, I just I just got up on a, like Jake does, a Maddie proclamation. Now, speaking of Jake and I, we, uh, we took a week off, but we are going to be recording the show tonight. That will go up tomorrow for TVT time. So we're going to do a little filler, and we're going to be recording the show, uh, watching the show Boy Band on ABC that comes out in two weeks. But we'll be doing stuff in the meantime. All right, everybody. If you do love the show, leave a review. That's great. That And leave a review and actually write the review. Apparently on Apple, uh, iTunes, whatever, it helps it kind of share us if you actually leave a star and then write something about it. If you could do that either for Dear Maddie or for TVT Time, I would appreciate it very much. We're coming up on our 100th episode. I've recorded it already. It's not with somebody famous because I don't really know that many famous people, but it is with somebody that I think um, it just really kind of turned my world upside down, honestly, and gave me a new respect and appreciation for this show. So I'm excited to share it with you. All right, everybody, have a good week, and I'll see you next week, or, you know, hear you next, or feel you. Now I'm feeling you. Okay, I gotta go. Bye.